Hello Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. Now tonight my guest is a bit of a rebel and a renegade himself. It's former Innisfail town councilor Glenn Carrot. Now you might know him as Glenn Carrot, organizer of the Convoy to Ottawa with United We Roll, but he's also a mayoral candidate and a member of the Anti-Lockdown Caucus. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, David Menzies' Fun Friday Night Show, Rebel Roundup. And for the same price as before, you also get access to Andrew Chapados's brand new show, Andrew says it's only eight bucks a month to subscribe and just for my podcast listeners you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member and now please enjoy this free audio only version of my show. A prominent member of the Anti-Lockdown Caucus speaks to me tonight about these never-ending lockdowns here in Alberta and unbelievably how he ended up under investigation for not taking a knee to Black Lives Matter. I know, it's crazy. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. everyone I'm out and about again tonight chasing fight the fines cases so I'm once again not in my usual studio our fight the fines campaign is our largest civil liberties campaign to date where we take on fighting these lockdown tickets and fighting for freedom one Canadian at a time if you'd like to help us fight these ridiculous lockdown tickets you can donate today at fightthefines.com now speaking of lockdown restrictions I'm sure you've heard by now about the Anti-Lockdown Caucus. It's made up of municipal, provincial, and even federal politicians who are opposed to the coronavirus lockdown restrictions on our civil liberties and our businesses and our ability to worship. One of the first members of the Lockdown Caucus, or the Anti-Lockdown Caucus, I should say, is a familiar face and someone I greatly admire. It was Glenn Carrot of United We Rule. Now, some of you may not know that Glenn has been a councillor in his local municipality of Innisfail, Alberta, and he's currently running to be the mayor there. Glenn has been supportive of small businesses that are willing to break the lockdown restrictions to throw their doors open to customers again. It's something that might be technically against the letter of the law, but it is something that is morally right and just. So today I have Glenn on the show talking about a whole host of issues, including how the lockdown is attacking religious freedom, how the Alberta government seems to keep moving the lockdown goalposts, and how the heck Glenn ended up under investigation by his town council for not taking a knee to Black Lives Matter. It is insane. Check out this interview re-recorded earlier this morning when I was still at home. 
Joining me now is Glenn Carrot. He's a mayoral candidate for Innisfail, but he's also a member of the Lockdown Caucus. Glenn, thanks for joining me. Most people know you as Glenn Carrot from United We Roll. You took a convoy of Albertans and Westerners and our concerns all the way to Ottawa. But now you're still fighting for freedom um, as a member of the Lockdown Caucus or the anti-lockdown caucus, first of all, why did you join that thing? And what, what do you hope to accomplish by being a part of it? Well, good morning, Sheila, and thank you for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, I joined it because I believe in the message they're portraying. Uh, you know, you got Randy Hillier, Derek Sloan, uh, some very, very prominent names in, in the Liberty uh, Coalition Canada caucus. And we all have the same message that these lockdowns are un- unwarranted for you know for the numbers that's going on the emergency that's that they portray that's going on does not warrant all these businesses being shut down and we're you know we're uh, either elected officials or not uh, past former elected officials and we're just trying to get out this message that there's there's more to this picture than just health health is always number one safety and health is always number one of course we get that but there's more to it um ec- economists uh you know i had uh, an economist uh, on my show the other day and uh, he said nobody's on talking to the province about economy etc and and uh, ERP's emergency response plans just doesn't make sense what what we have going on right now so that's why I joined it I think it's a it's a good force out there a good a, a good group of people that that want to move the move businesses to get getting the country open now uh, I guess what what are some of the goals? So you want to open up the economy, get everybody back to work. That's something that I firmly believe in. Are is do you want to sort of remove some of these emergency powers that the government, I guess, has sort of snatched for themselves? Um, and they have all this additional power and this all all this extra extra ability to make decisions without going before the legislature. For me, that's one of the most concerning things. Is I didn't vote for Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dina Hinshaw, yet she's running my life and I have no way of holding her to account. Yeah, exactly. And and I think there was a statement or a um, broadcast that came out just the other day that gave Dr. Hinshaw even more power that she can enforce the law. And yeah, this is wrong. What people need to realize is that this is not the law. These are, these are health regulations and the laws have to go in front of legislature. And yes, we vote the we vote people in and we vote voted Jason Kenney in and whether whether you like what he's doing or not, he is our elected official, but they they shouldn't have the right to enforce these these laws on us. We still need to have freedom of uh, as a business owner, as a fellow business owner. Uh, I you know, I need to have my freedom to run my business as as I wish. If you don't want to come into my business and you don't feel safe, then that's totally up to you. But I but we need the freedoms in our country. To, to be able to open our business and, and run our businesses as we decide fit. Now, there are two, uh, right now, two members of Jason Kenney's caucus that are also members of the anti-lockdown caucus. So we've got Drew Barnes and Angela Pitt. And Drew Barnes, he's always a bit of a renegade and a rebel. I, I, I like Drew. He, he prickles against the consensus of his party in favor of freedom which I think is great. But Angela Pitt, I mean, she's a prominent member of the caucus. I think she's the deputy whip. Um, yep. Are there more like them, I guess? Those two were the bravest ones that came out 
officially. But I'm sure in the circles that you travel in, you have heard that there are other MLAs who feel the same way they do, but maybe yeah. just aren't as outspoken. Yeah, I believe, you know, I first met Drew Barnes on the way back from, from Ottawa. He presented a, a belt buckle to me and a flag and, and uh, you know, was there, there to meet us and greet us. And uh, I gained a lot of respect for, for Drew at that time. Uh, you know, because he he was going. You know, I don't I don't know if I want to say against the grain because the the grain is your people, and I and I think he's actually moving with the grain of the people. And yeah, it's against against uh, a little bit of of the premier's game grain, but we need to be able to to speak out and and have those conversations. You don't always have to agree. It doesn't mean you're you're representing the whole. Um, you know, UCP party in that regard, but you have to you have to be able to speak your mind, and that's some of the troubles I've been going through with on on town council. And yeah, it's great to see Angela Pitt on there. Um, you know, two very prominent people, and and I do believe there's more. I believe I believe a lot of MLAs really would like to speak out. I mean, I obviously can't speak for for any of them, but I, I see that people are starting to realize that there's a big problem with what's going on in the numbers. And I just released, actually, I didn't release the uh, AHS. I posted an AHS uh, chart on ICU numbers and 2020 is actually down from 2019 and down from, and, and or very consistent. And I mean, I've worked in the medical business, uh, fire business for over 20 years and we've, we've done hallway medicine for, for years. So to say that our hospitals are overloaded and our ICUs are overloaded right now is is not true. I mean, it is true they are overloaded, but they are always overloaded. I've spent hours with with numerous people in the hallways waiting for beds. So this is not a new problem. We need to fix the problem is the healthcare, and we need to fix the problems in healthcare. And I suspect you're like me that fixing the problems with healthcare does not mean just dumping more money on salaries it actually means rethinking how we do things in this province no it doesn't i mean all you got to do is the sunshine list on uh, vhs and it's uh, and it's a public um document out there of of people that have retired and the amounts of money that they're paying it's it's exorbitant and we need to you know there's we need to look at the at the whole whole uh, ahs as a as a whole and and maybe uh, you know, you crumble it and, and start over, which is very difficult, but but we really need to look at the whole system of, of the waste, and, and it's the same as governments. We have such huge government overspending, and, and AHS has huge overspending, and it, and it has to stop. We can't c continue to sustain that. We all, everybody thinks it's free, but it's not free. We all pay for it, as we, as we know, right? Yeah, I, I don't think we should be doing more of the same when the same continues to fail. And the same apparently was not prepared for uh, uh, something that hospitalization rates look very similar to the seasonal flu every year. Now, I want to ask you about your mayoral campaign in Innisfail because you just sort of touched on it. You were a town councillor in Innisfail, perfect town councillor on paper. I'm local businessman pro-energy, a community activist, um, a, a booster of Innisfail and small businesses, but town council did not feel the same way about you that I do. <laughs> and you had some some pressure from them and you sort of resigned in protest, but now to, I guess, to show them all who's boss, you're running for mayor. Um, can you give us an update on what's going on there? 
Sure. Yeah. Actually, they just finished the investigation, and uh, they came. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. So you had an investigation yes. into you for for what? It was a code of conduct investigation, and and I will say that I I actually voted in favor of of having the code of conduct because quite frankly, every time I would speak to any any residents in town or you know went went to any rally or anything like that, I was grilled on town council. Uh, for for speaking out or you know having having basically a different different opinion and and they didn't think that it represented council as a whole and and my philosophy is that if we can't speak or go to these rallies and and learn and listen and, and speak your mind then then you're just a you know a, a puppet sitting in sitting in council and going along with status quo. Uh, you know, if they would prefer that you just go from your home to council, home to council, then, you, you know, you're not representing the people and we have to be able to talk to the people. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with me. I've never said anybody needs to agree with me. And one of the big allegations was, was that they, they thought that I invoked fear in our community at the Black Matter rally. And, you know, they, they supported the Black Lives Matter rally. I did not. I went to it um, as I've been to many rallies and I feel it's their their right to go to a rally, just like it's my right to go to a rally. And and I never asked for a code of conduct because they went to a rally. So it just, the hypocrisy is is definitely there. And uh, they actually have allegations against me uh, for the convoy that, that it didn't represent council at, as a whole. Now, here's the, here's the kicker is that we had another code of conduct investigation a little over a year ago with another counselor and uh, and I was investigated because you, as a counselor, you, if you're on council and we do a code of conduct, everybody's subject to investigation. So at that time, well over a year ago when we did that investigation, I was found not to breach any code of conduct with the convoy that, that they found. I asked permission, you know, I told the council that this is what I was doing and uh, they were in agreement with it as long as I wasn't representing the town, which I did not. And... Uh, so this time around, with the code of conduct that they found 36 allegations against me, they 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 found that I did breach the code of conduct for the convoy. So the hypocrisy is is endless, and it, to me, it's only as good as the person that's paying paying the bill of the investigator. Because it was, and I'll also make this clear: same investigator, same company, same person that found that I didn't breach the code of conduct for the convoy originally has now found me breaching the code of conduct. There was so much, the, there was actually allegations that said that Glenn Carrot only hangs out with a certain type of person. <laughs> you so, mean like your friends? Like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's become a bit of a joke, I guess, at coffee time in the morning because I said, you guys better be careful of <laughs> who you're hanging out with, but they're trying to paint, uh, they're trying to paint me into a box of being, uh, you know, a white supremacist and racist. And uh, you know what? You can call me call me all the all the names you want. I I know who I am. I know that I that I love people all the same. And uh, if you show me respect, I'll show you respect back. And uh, it doesn't matter to me where you come from. So they they just try to paint you into this into this box because they don't like the what you're what you're saying. And we have to get out of this that when you're out talking or going to rallies or talking to people that you're representing council. Yes, you have to. You can't say that 
council, like Innisfail all believes, in, the council of Innisfail believes all in this, or the council of Red Deer, that obviously that's against, would be against code of conduct, but we have to be able to be individuals and speak, speak our minds and be able to talk to the user groups and talk to people. And then at the end of the day, the judge and jury is the, is the election. If you don't, if you don't like uh, my voice, if you don't like that I, that I stand up for freedom of choice, if you don't like that I stand up for oil and gas, if you don't like that I want to see less government and uh, holding administration in a municipal government accountable, then, then don't vote for me. But if you like those things, if you want, if you want me to represent and fight for you, then, then I'm your guy. You know, the thing with that Black Lives Matter protest that came to Innisfail, those weren't Innisfail locals. Those were imported, trucked-in activists from Calgary that came to call your community racist, which is not something that the immigrant business owners that Key and Bexty talked to said about Innisfail. They said it was a welcoming place and they were happy to be there. You showed up to represent the other side of the story as someone who is proud of your community and who doesn't think that Innisfail is a racist place to be. And for that, I guess town council has decided that you instill fear in the community. For standing up for the community, you made the community fearful. You know who's scared, I think? The other uh, cowards on town council who didn't have the guts to stand up for their community the way you did. Well, they don't, you know, the, part of the problem is, is that they they haven't investigated, they haven't done the research on on BLM itself. And and listen, I'm all I'm all in favor of anti-racism, of course. Of course. We, I mean, we all are. But but to paint uh, the problem is, is that they they painted Innisfail, as you said, with a brush that you're all Innisfail, or sorry, that you're all um, racist. In fact, uh, a certain member on council went on to the Ryan Jesperson show and said, "Shame on Innisfail for being racist." But to me, that's completely wrong. And. Uh, Again, um, you know, I didn't run to the code of conduct on that particular person for what she said. That's that's up. You know, that's I, that's really her. I don't agree with it. It's her choice to say. Um, but you shouldn't shame your community. I believe. I believe our community. Do we have uh, some racist people in our community? Of course. What what community doesn't? Right. But we can't paint everybody with a brush that and say in a spell as in a general population. Is racist because now every single person in Innisfail walks out the door thinking, "Oh, who thinks I'm racist this morning?" Right? I talked to a young lady, Rosa, Rosa Murphy. I'm not sure if I sent you that that interview, but she she said she walks out her out her door right now and said, and before the rally she felt comfortable, and now she feels that people think that she's part of BLM, and she she knows BLM, and she's studied it and knows that it's a Marxist organization, and. And the, the problem, getting back to the town council, is they didn't research who BLM was to stand up against them. And I, I have, and I knew, and they didn't take that into into consideration that that I actually knew who Antifa was and who BLM was, and they jumped in in with both feet, and and uh, you know, and I didn't want to support them. I I didn't. Uh, other members of council went actually and kneeled kneeled to BLM, and every well, every single one of them. Uh, including the mayor, and I did not, of course, because I kneel to to God, and that's 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 it, of course. So, and and I have no problem saying that, and I have, and I'm and I'm convicted of of who I believe BLM is, and all I ever ask is, prove me wrong, tell me, follow the money, and I say to do your research, 
And if somebody can, can prove me wrong, then I'll, then I'll change my views. But it hasn't happened yet, as you know, because that's the truth, as I see it. Well, and this idea that there's only one way to be anti-racist, and that is to subscribe to everything that BLM says, I think is, is a, a false idea. There are plenty of other ways to be against racism than having to sign up for the goals and ideals and the Marxism of Black Lives Matter. There's not just one way to care about your fellow man. And um, it's really kind of pathetic to see these town councillors take a knee to the golden calf of BLM Marxism um, without doing any research whatsoever. Those are not the kind of people that I want representing my community. And, and I think that a lot of people in Innisfail probably feel the same way as I do. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting come October um, because, uh, you know, uh, Councillor Barkley is running against me and she, uh, we, we definitely see things differently. And, and um, you know, the unfortunate part is we, we actually used to uh, have coffee once a week and collaborate on, uh, you know, talking together about the town. And ever since these social economic issues have come up, we've definitely seen a big divide in the community. And it's not typical of a municipal government because we typically don't get into these social economic issues per se. But this pandemic and, uh, and you know, BLM and the, and the United States election, et cetera, and with our um, current prime minister, all of these uh, issues are coming to the forefront. And it's and there's a huge divide in our town, and it's and it's very unfortunate. I, uh, I hope you're right. Come October, we'll, we'll see. You know, do people want somebody that's going to stand up for them or or to kneel? So that that's going to be the question. I am hopeful. I I'm hopeful. Now I wanted to ask you. I guess I have two more questions for you um, because you you're being so generous with your time this morning. I wanted to ask you about. Okay, so we're filming this on Wednesday morning. Uh, Alberta, at the beginning of the week here, said that they are moving into phase two of ending the lockdown. But phase two looks a heck of a lot just like phase one. Um, and they've completely moved the goalposts. What they said we were allowed in phase two, they're, they're changing that so that fewer of those things are allowed. And the things that are allowed are at reduced capacity of what they had predicted. For example, you can go to the gym. And you can go on the treadmill, but you damn sure better not run on the treadmill because we can't do high intensity workouts. We can only do low intensity workouts. We can do group fitness, but it can only be stretching and yoga. You can't do um, like kickboxing, Taibo or whatever. Um, as you can tell, it's been a long time since I've been in like an actual gym because I don't even think Taibo is a thing anymore. But but you know what I mean? Like none of it makes any sense. They said kids could start, start doing sports again. Kids aren't doing sports, but they can do sports training. Um, why do you think the government is just doing this constant bait and switch thing with, you know, giving us back our freedoms? Well, yeah, you know, exactly. First of all, not not once as Dr. Hinshaw came on or Premier Kenny. I mean, Premier Kenny is not the health expert per se, as as they they claim Dr. Hinshaw is. But not once has she come on and said, you know, you need to have take vitamin D. You need to get exercise. You need to get sunshine. You need to to be active to stay healthy. So not once have they said that. So there's there's obviously uh, a disconnect there. But if we go back to a year ago in you know March of last year, and, and we all know this, two weeks to flatten the curve. Okay. 
Well, the curve never really went up. The ICU, were, uh, as we've seen in the chart that I sent out, were, the ICU rates weren't increased. So, so then we open up again. He apologizes. Premier Kenny actually apologizes for having a lockdown. Two weeks later, he that has another lockdown, but states that it's not a lockdown. But I, what I'll question is, you ask any business, any gym owner, or any restaurant that was closed down, if that's a lockdown to them, because it sure is a lockdown. If my business was closed down, that's a lockdown. Not call it what you want, but yeah. it's a lockdown. So then he said it's another two weeks, and uh, so we had so we had the two weeks in December, and then you get uh, people like uh, Natalie Klein from Blades and Fades that are so frustrated and at their wits' end or at their end of their line for income and decide that they have to open and good for her, and so she opens. And so there's a little bit of pressure and, and the pressure gets uh, Premier Kenny to move forward with opening barbershops, et cetera. And, and there's been a little bit of pressure with restaurants. So those, those have opened up. And, and now they're, they're too weaking us to death, as you can see, because uh, there's, you know, the, if they would have said, we're going to lock down for a year, of course, everybody would have said, you know, go pump sand. We're not doing that. So that they continue to too weak us to death. And then, going back to March to flatten the curve. And then it was case, 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 case. And now it's, we can't, we have to stay locked down until the vaccine. So is it, so to me, why didn't you just say in the beginning, we we're going to, if, if this is the way it was going to be, you're going to lock down until the vaccine comes out, then at least tell us, because that to me, that's what it's about is the vaccine, whether you believe in it or not, then stop lying. Right. So, that we just have to get, we just have to keep moving forward and, and tell the truth about why, why you have these lockdowns. Is it about the vaccine or is it about cases and, and the actual virus? Because it doesn't, the numbers do not appear that the virus was as big as a concern as what they at first anticipated. I think they keep moving the goalposts because if they had told us at the beginning, well, you have to basically stay locked down until a vaccine is developed and you receive it. Nobody would have played along. But of this course. like two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks to flatten the curve. Oh, uh, a month of what do they call it? A circuit breaker lockdown. You know, when they break a year and a half of your life into two week spans, it's easy to feed that garbage to you and you don't get sick and die from it. From That's eating right. the garbage, right? You continue to buy in. It's easy to buy in at that point and for people, for um, uh, people as a majority, I guess. Um, I mean, let's look at let's look at the states right now. South Dakota never locked down, never had mandatory masks, and um, you know they, their economy in South Dakota, particularly, is is booming and they're doing well. And uh, Florida is is fairly open. Texas is opening up now. And uh, another state, I can't remember what the what the third one is. South but Dakota. The, uh, so, sorry. South Dakota. South Dakota was already open. They never did yeah. lock. They, they yeah. never. Um, their senator came on and said they've never had mandatory masks, et cetera, and and they're they're thriving. So you got to look at the stats. You got to look at the numbers and and stop making up the numbers. You know, again, go back to March, and we, you know, we all it didn't smell right. You know, we thought, okay, there's a virus. Maybe it's like Ebola. Maybe it's the Spanish flu. Maybe, you know, maybe this is something bad that we have to take precautions. Okay, so we all we all thought, let's take some precautions. But then we quickly realized that wasn't the case. 99.6 or 99.7, so many, you can pick either number, doesn't matter. Survival rate on on uh, the coronavirus or the Wuhan flu. Um, so 
that it just doesn't justify what we've done. And I, I don't know how they can continue to, to go down this road when the numbers aren't justifying it. Now, last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and uh, this is, I think, not something that's generally on the Glen Carrot beat. You're pro-small business, pro-energy, but you're also pro-freedom. So I thought I would ask you about this. Um, I've been covering the case very closely of Pastor James Coates. He has just clocked over his two weeks in custody at the Maximum Security Remand Center for his crime refusing to limit his congregation to 15% of fire code capacity. And for Pastor James, he said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not turning away 85% of my congregation because the government told me to do that. I don't answer to Jason Kenny. I answer to God. Um, I know you're a conservative. I'm a conservative. I'm more of a nonpartisan conservative, and I think you're the same way. Um, but for me to see Jason Kenny crack down on religious freedom after that has been so central to what I know Jason Kenny in the past to be, someone who is an advocate for religious freedom in China and Saudi Arabia and, you know, in Northern Iraq. It's so shocking to me to see him cracking down on religious freedom in the name of a virus here in Alberta. I just wanted to get your opinion on this. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, hypocritical again is, 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 to me, is the word of 2020. And first of all, again, go back to March when we weren't sure back last year, March. Again, we weren't sure what was going on. It, it, you know, we needed to be cautious. So, okay, we'll take some precautions. Now, now we know. So Pastor Coates wants to have his congregation, his church open uh, to full capacity. Now, you have the freedom of choice to go or stay home. You have the freedom of choice to wear your mask or not. That, that's the way I see things is... Is you if, if you don't feel that that you want to walk into a church that's full of capacity, then please stay home. And and again, in March maybe we are, and and I might have felt a little differently in March, or I didn't, but some people might have felt different back in March that that they were concerned. But you need, but it doesn't add up now. We got to stop thinking that what happened, what we were thinking in last March is the same as this March because the numbers just don't justify what's going on. So again, stay home, and we got to. We got to have the freedom of choice to be able to, to, to do those things. To either go to church or not go to church. Go to a business that, that uh, is fully open or not fully open. You know, if you're worried and you have a compromised immune system, or you have people in your family that are elderly that are that are uh, prone to to catching a virus and it, and it might cause death, then then you have that choice. So again, going back to your original question about freedom of choice. Yes, we have to have that that choice. For me, it's just appalling to see sex offenders because they're technically nonviolent in some instances being released from the remand, a place that's had two coronavirus outbreaks, while at the same time we're sticking a pastor in there. Um, and he's never had an outbreak at his church. I, it's just, I mean, the the irony and hypocrisy is insane. Well, he's trying to, to me, it's they're trying to make an example of a person that's that stood up and and to, to try and send a message that that we're uh, holier than thou and we can make all these decisions same as the you know the whistle stop they put them in court uh, right away meanwhile uh, assaulters and and sexual offenders etc are are being released and or their court dates are are being postponed 
uh, whatever. But but it's that important that we've got to get these people to make a make a statement in into court immediately. It's it it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I and you know what I remember last March when I was like, well, maybe you know, maybe I guess we're gonna just gonna have to wear masks because I didn't trust China. I didn't trust what China was saying, and you were the person who talked sense to me. You said, Sheila. No, and I better not see a mask on that pretty face. And I, I'll never forget that you were like the one person who was like, you know what? No, there's more going on here. And maybe China's lying. Maybe China's not lying. But you're not putting a mask on. And I'm really grateful. Um, and it's true how your opinions can change in a year as uh, you learn more and you see more and things start to not add up. Uh, Glenn, you are running for mayor. I want to give you a chance to let people know how they can find you. I know you have these little um, online coffee sessions that you do that I think are pretty interesting. So how can people see what you're up to in your mayoral uh, campaign and how can they support the work that you're doing? Yeah, so we've, uh, you know, Haley Wiles helping me out. Uh, she's going to be putting together a website and um, I'm on, you know, we've got a Facebook uh, page, of course. Uh, there will be the website. We've developed a, a campaign team uh, the, of supporters in Innisfil. We've got, uh, once things, uh, once the weather gets a little nicer, we're going to have some out, outdoor barbecues, et cetera. And, and I continue to reach out to the people in, in Innisfil, go to the businesses. You can always phone me at, uh, at my, uh, cell phone is always available. You can email me at, uh, glencarrot@gmail.com. Uh, uh, I'm always available to, to listen and, and open to, uh, open conversation. Glenn, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I know that um, it, this is a work day for you, um, like it's a work day for me. So I, I appreciate you taking the time out of the day to uh, update us on everything that's going on in central Alberta and in general, the fight for just freedom and normalcy in Alberta. So thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Sheila. Have a great day. I think we need more politicians out there like Glenn, people who are willing to end up on the wrong side of the mainstream media or their political colleagues to do what they think is right for the people they represent, the people who voted for them. And I think that's why Glenn's running for mayor. And I generally don't endorse politicians, but I definitely hope my friend Glenn wins because Innisfail deserves better. But I also hope Glenn's, Glenn wins because I think he'll inspire other politicians to do the same, to ignore the mean girls in the media party and worry about the people who went into a polling booth and cast a ballot for them. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here. Well, maybe not here, maybe at my home studio or wherever I might be at the same time next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.